0: Hello and welcome to the summer series of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you for listening and I hope you've enjoyed the summer series. I know I have enjoyed selecting past episodes from the podcast vault that I thought you'd love if you were a newcomer to the podcast and I knew you'd enjoy revisiting if you'd been listening over the years. At the beginning of the summer series, we had my conversation with Angela Lockwood about switching off and taking more control of your life. We then had my lovely chat with the wonderful human Tom Glafke about living a deliberate life, walking through life with optimism, and that love really is the answer. And last week, I brought you my conversation with Anthony Ongaro about the positive space that minimalism can leave, breaking habits, and your ideal day. In this final episode of the Summer Series, I bring you my chat with Natalie Walton. I've had the pleasure of meeting Natalie in person a number of times since our chat, and I absolutely love the give-it-a-go attitude that Natalie has. Natalie manages to juggle a couple of businesses, four children, and a new property in the hinterland of the central coast of Australia. Natalie talks about co-parenting, her love of simplicity, and her communal way of ditching up dinner. I know life isn't always easy for Natalie. But what I love is easy isn't what Natalie is striving for. It is a life lived where her children can watch and learn from their parents' hard work. I hope you enjoy this summer series conversation with Natalie Walton. Hi, Natalie, how are you? Hi, good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And whereabouts in this beautiful world do I find you today?
1: Today, um, you find me in the Yarramalong Valley, which is on the um, central coast of New South Wales. It's about 90 minutes north of Sydney. And um, I moved here in December last year,
0: just before Christmas. Wow, so nearly a year. That's kind of exciting. Yes.
1: Yeah, it, we actually moved on my husband's birthday <laughs> and he said, he wasn't very happy about that, but it just, it was, it was just one of those things that was only when we could do it because of the list and all those kind of boring reasons. And he said, you know what, today's not actually going to be my birthday. We're going to start to, my birthday tomorrow. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was one of those classic experiences of, you know, you, you pack everything that you can and you try and do it as well as you can to be as organized as you can. But then the trucks got here and we're on quite a steep hill and um, and the removalists, uh, they started to try and go up the hill and then they broke the power line. So oh, the first night we didn't have power. It was stinking hot. It took them ages and they then refused to go up the hill. And then they said they had to get a ute to get the stuff out of the truck and they did these little trips back and up, up and down the hill to get the stuff in the house. And I had to take three children while I was heavily pregnant out to the local pizzeria to get pizza because there was no food and no electricity you know it was just one of those days you
0: just think oh what are we doing (laughs) it's it's exactly how i picture the beautiful countryside (laughs) so so you you moved on his birthday and then you unpacked on his pretend birthday (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
1: that's pretty much it. <laughs> I, I won't remind him about that part though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, I must say, I th- I think it would be challenging for anyone to say that, that they follow you as you do so many things that I think it would be impossible to, to keep up. And I, I have to read this um, because I, I wouldn't be able to remember it all. And please let me know if I've left anything off. But you you have... Warns and Walton, which is your editorial content agency where you specialize in home and lifestyle features that you run with photographer Chris Warns. You have the Indigo Crew, which is, which is my personal favorite, where you beautifully write about your gorgeous family in the tree change that I'm sure we'll talk about later on. Yep. You have Imprint House, which is your online homeware shop, and then you have the Daily Imprint, where you write and interview people from all areas of design and the creative industries. Like, I'm puffed just kind of going through all that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I do freelance writing for the magazines as well, and oh, do I just, I'll just write that one down too. <laughs> <laughs> and and, um, and you know, styling jobs, and but I, I sort of don't do as many big shoots anymore because it's just logistically it's just it's too hard it's it's really hard doing those with a family i used to do a lot of um big set build shoots for the magazines like mm-hmm. um house and garden and real living and some of the other ones and it's just they just kill you and um they're not very family friendly and you know ultimately i think you kind of get a, to a point in your career where you sort of you try different things and end up fun and i, I learned so much from them and they've really helped my career in terms of learning about styling um, and, you know, and how to create rooms and sets and so on. But, you know, they're just long-term, they just, they kind of kill you. And, mm. <laughs> and you know, like I said, they're just such long hours. And And I just didn't want to be, you know, sort of exhausted when I was around with my children as well. So, you know, it wouldn't just be when I was working and not seeing them. But then, you know, the other days, then I would just be wrecked because they just take it out of you for the next couple of days because you're physically moving stuff and and just you have to be, you know, you've got that one day to get it right and that's it, you know. So, um, but, you know, they were good and I'm glad that I did them. But, you know, I think, like I said, I think sometimes you you have to sort of say, it's time to move on, and, and I did.
0: And how did you, I guess, come to that decision? And how do you balance that family life now?
1: Um, it sort of happened. Well, I started to do them because I wanted to learn about styling, and I was my background's writing, and I I did um, a BA in English Literature at Sydney University, and I did a Masters in Journalism, and I started off as a finance reporter, and then I worked for a medical newspaper. So I, I did very much the writing side of things. And then I went across to Real Living magazine and I became the deputy editor there after a little while. And, um, and I loved it. And I I sort of, I mean, that it's kind of like a whole other story, which I could spend another hour talking about. Um, But, you know, I kind of really found that I, I was on my feet doing what I really love because years and years ago, I had almost enrolled in an interior design course and I decided to go back to university, this whole other story. But, um, yeah, so I really loved doing that and we would do all these briefs for stylists. And then I sort of got to the point, I thought, I really want to try this. And so I, I tried it and I would, I really loved it and I loved the creativity of it. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a really sharp learning curve and I really learned so much, but then I got to a point where my son was, um, I, my eldest son, um, he was maybe sort of, I don't know, about 18 months old and I was sort of doing these shoots and I just, like I said, I would just get really exhausted at the end of it and um, and I think there comes a point as well where you're a stylist and if you're on staff, you get to a point where you sort of want to start doing new things and when you're doing the same brief all the time for just one magazine, you're not, you don't start to sort of stretch yourself as much and so it was um, – I felt like it was the right time to go freelance and, you know, just try new things as a start. And then, you know, obviously, then it would give me an opportunity to sort of also have, um, you know, time with him on other days as well. So that kind of started it. And then, I still then I did lots of freelance work for different types of clients and, um, like Freedom, for instance, the furniture company, and you know some other ones. And um, and then I had my daughter and it was probably again about sort of 12, 18 months in. And I just thought this, it was just too much. I got to a point, I actually put my blog daily imprint on hold for a while because I just thought I would basically, um, you know, I would do my work and then in the evenings, you know, we would sort of always have family time together, for, you know, meal time, which I've always done. And then afterwards I would go and write the blog. And then I just thought sometimes I was missing out on like reading to my son or whatever. I just thought, no, this is not, you know, this is not what I want to be doing with my life. Like, you know, my child is more important than a blog. And, um, and so I put that on hold for a while. And, um, but yeah, it's just, it was one of those things that it's, I guess it's kind of evolved and it's changed over the years and it, and it keeps changing. And, and yeah, I do (laughs) a million things. And when you rattle it off, it sounds all a bit crazy, but you know, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and they're all interconnected. So it's not as crazy as what it might sound initially, or at least I hope it's not.
0: And you kind of mentioned the the writing and the interior um, styling there. I'm not a huge fan of this question, but if someone asks, what do you do, how, how do you answer that? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> it depends who's asking <laughs> because it's just
1: sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, I mean, I've, I've been writing, um, for David Jones has uh, just launched a new magazine and the editor of that used to be the editor of Real Living and um, w- I've always had a really good relationship with Deb over the years and um, and I had to write my blurb for the contributors page and I just thought it's not going to make sense to say I'm a stylist <laughs> if I'm writing and interviewing people for, you know, like I was interviewing um, the sort of creative director of the Sydney Dance Company and um Adam Goods, the, the the football player. And um, you know, it <laughs> it's just seems completely out of context to say I'm a stylist as well in that kind of context. <laughs> like why are you interviewing these people? So yeah, I think sometimes it depends on the context. Um and uh but, yeah and i I, I rarely say that i 'm a blogger because I actually hate that word yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I always have an existential crisis with the word blogger It just I think because I come from a writing background, and when blogs first came out, they were pretty denigrated because a lot of it was about you know sort of just prattling on about this, that, and the other or I don't know, it, it sort of it was very loose the term at the start, and it kind of still is, but um, I, I really struggle with that word, so I very rarely say that I'm a blogger,
0: although I have two blogs. <laughs> <laughs> and And speaking of like your two blogs there and, and all the, the freelance writing that you do, like how do you and maybe it's just the skill that you've had and the, the training that you've had or the years that you've been doing it, but how do you produce? so much and, and it a lot of it is on different topics and a lot of it is your own thoughts and others, as you kind of said with certain magazines, you're interviewing people. But do you have a particular mm. process behind your writing?
1: Um, I think that part of this kind of producing so much, I think it, well, you know, it's probably partly innate. You know, I'm just, I, I'm a bit of a workhorse um, and I think my, my dad is that, and, and so is my mum to an extent as well, you know, but just in a very different kind of way. Um, so I think, you know, both of my parents are very hard working. Mean, I think that's just kind of my nature. But also when I first started working as a journalist, I worked for a newswire and, um, which probably no one knows what a newswire is anymore, but <laughs> way back when, um, I mean, it was kind of like the internet before the internet came along and, um, you know, it was this kind of streaming news that would be about what's happening during the day. And then that news feed would go to the newspapers. And that's how they would pick up their stories. And so, I mean, we used to produce, you know, like, I don't know, 20 stories a day. I mean, they were very short stories, but you were just this, the news information would come in and from say the stock exchange or whatever, or a company report, you'd go to a press conference and you'd have to write a report then, you know, like, pretty quickly within half an hour or so so there's no time for messing around and sort of pontificating about oh what's the best angle for this or you just had to you know think on your feet and just do it and um, I think that really instilled in me uh, an ability to write quickly and, and that's why I generally have very good relationships with the publications that I have written for and why I guess I'm still writing for Deb because, you know, people give me stories and they know that I will turn them around very quickly. And, um, and I, I try to really focus that when I'm writing, I really try and focus completely on that and, you know, not get distracted by, you know, the internet or my phone or whatever's going on and just really, you know, just give it, everything that I've got while I'm doing it and then move on to the next thing.
0: But but with that not getting distracted, you know, you've only spoken of two of your four children in this conversation. Do you know, like you, there's, a, <laughs> there's a lot of distractions in your life and I know that you've just got some new chickens out there on the farm. So like, that's what I find really fascinating that you can still like hone in on, on, on that writing time or on that creativity okay. that you have through so much of your work. I find it really, really fascinating.
1: Well, I'm a night owl, so I do a lot of my work in the evening. Um, and I do go through stages where I will work till one, two o'clock in the morning. Uh, not all the time, but I definitely go through stages of that. And um, and I, I mean, I drive my husband nuts, but I don't need a lot of sleep. I mean, of course, I would love a lot more sleep, but like he can't function unless he has, you know, say seven hours sleep a night. He, you know, he really impacts him on the next day. Whereas I sort of, I go through waves and I can kind of get through it. I might feel tired in the morning, but then once I get my momentum going, I'll just keep going. And, um, you know, I've never been a person who can have a nap during the day, for instance, N- never. And, you know, even when I've had children that were very young and like now, I mean, it's it's kind of easier though. I mean, it, it's funny this whole four children because I was almost petrified a little myself before I had four children. <laughs> I, thought, I did have moments of thinking, what on earth am I getting myself into? <laughs> but honestly, I mean, my son, he's eight. Um, my eldest daughter, she's five. And, um, and then the next daughter, she's three. And so certainly the eldest two, they often kind of go off for, for long periods of time while we're here and um and they just kind of do their own thing, and they're sort of a lot more independent than, say, the three-year-old. She'll go through phases of, you know, if I need to go out and do some errands, you know, I want to come with you or whatever, which is fine. But she's a little bit more clingy in that sense. But um I mean, pr- on a practical level, I mean, my son is in school five days a week. My eldest daughter, she's in uh, it's called pre-kindy, so she's three days a week, and the three-year-old, she's in preschool for three days a week. So. When it's not school holidays, which it is at the moment, um, we have um, three days where all of them are in – well, three of them (laughs) – are in in some kind of schooling. And um, and obviously I've got the baby and he sleeps. So, you know, I do what I can while he's sleeping and when he's not sleeping, I fold the washing and smile at him.
0: (laughs) It's kind of what I have to do. And I think too there's also that element of, hey, this is – this is life, this is reality. You kind of work with what you've got.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, d- definitely. And it's, and I think that because, you know, I, I don't like to work when the children come home from school. So I really try and condense as much of my work as I can and be really productive th- during the hours while they're at school. And then um, once they're home from school, I'm, um, quite happy to do house, household chores, you know, like whether it's cooking or hanging up the washing or whatever it is, those kind of things. But I don't actually like to look at my computer or be in front of my computer if I can help it um, while they're at home. And, I mean, I have to add that at the moment my husband is based at home as well, so we're sort of in partnership for the um, the online shop in Print House. Uh, he sort of looks at, after a lot of the logistical things, but he is also at the moment, um, because I've got the baby, he does the school run. So, you know, we, we're very much in partnership with um, with our children and our family life. He had his own business for, for 10 years and um, it's sort of tied up in this whole move to the country was that he sold his business and uh, it gave us the opportunity to do something new and and he also knew that, you know, I was really passionate about my career and he was happy to to let me go with that a little bit and, um, and give me a bit of breathing space. So he, he isn't very involved in our family life and, um, you know, helps and does meals and shopping and w- but we very much kind of co-parent and co-share the responsibilities, but it's, you know, it's a juggle. I mean, some days I'm doing more, some di- days he does more, but it, it's very flexible, but it means that, um, that we're, we're kind of here quite a lot for the children, which is, is what we wanted
0: and was, you know, was that one of the one of the key reasons for moving to the country to kind of be able to spend more of that quality time with the kids?
1: Um, I think that it sort of doesn't hmm, – it's a funny one. It, it, it sort of – it hasn't changed in a way. I mean, when we were living in the city for the first – well, the last year of living in the city, uh, he wasn't working in a kind of, you know – sort of technical job you know like a sort of nine to five going to an office type uh, situation um but you know he like I said he was sort of involved with the back end stuff of the, you know some of the businesses um but um it sort of means I guess a big part of moving here and what we've really noticed is that when we were in the city when it came to I mean we had a tiny courtyard garden we were in a in a city terrace and um and so we often had to go out to do stuff so when it came to weekends or after school or whatever it was you know it was all about getting in the car to go to the pool getting in the car to go to the museum you know getting on the train to go wherever you know getting in the car to go to the beach whereas when we're here it's just walking out the front door and so my husband's been doing lots of stuff here in terms of, well, I think mean, one of the first things he did was build a tree house and but because he was outside, the kids really wanted to get involved in that and my husband's incredibly handy um, and he he's really good at building things and so he built this tree house for them and because he was outside, they really wanted to get involved with that and you know, they were just there every single day he was out there building and they wanted to help. And so my son, he tied all the sticks uh, for the fence and the girls collected the sticks and, you know, it became this real kind of collaboration and they really enjoyed feeling involved with it. And so much of what we do here is like that, that, um, for instance, my husband might plant the veggie garden, which is what he's been doing. And so they want to be there by his side. And I mean I kind of want to be there by his side too but often I'm the one who has to make morning tea, clean up after morning tea, <laughs> make lunch, clean up after lunch, feed the baby, look after the baby, change the nappy, you know so it's kind of I'm on baby duty at the moment really and he's kind of you know often looks after them and um and does a lot of that stuff. So it's you know and that will change again once when the baby starts to get a little bit bigger and um you know is sort of can stay awake for longer and so on. I mean, he's still very much of that age that he feeds and is maybe awake for a little bit and then goes back to sleep again. So, you know, and I, I like him to sleep in his bassinet because he sleeps better when he's in the bassinet and, um, you know, so I'm kind of tied to the house a little bit in that sort of sense. But, um, but you know, it's it's still a good
0: life here. And, like, is that – I guess doing that move and having the kids just being able to walk out the door and be outside—it must be great. Just kind of seeing them grow like that. Have, have you have you seen your kids grow in different ways than what they have when you were living in the city?
1: Um, yeah, it, it's it's really interesting because when we when we first moved here. They didn't want to go outside. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't help that um, when we first moved here, we had floods. I mean, literally, it was the third week of living here we were flooded in. And um, and one of the things about living in the country in Australia, and certainly in an area like this, which is a water catchment area, is that when it rains, the leeches come out. And so, myself included, we were all freaking out about the leeches because. <laughs> They we're just everywhere and we we're city people and, you know, we're used to cockroaches, not leeches. And <laughs> you know, and, um, and and so no one wanted to go outside because so it was, you know, it was torrential rain and then, you know, even when it eased up a bit, they would go outside and they would get leeches on their gumboots and, you know, it was sort of like, oh, what's happening? And, and so it took a while and that's actually once the rain stopped and that's when my husband decided to build the treehouse because he – wanted to get them outside and once everything dried out it was fine and there were no leeches and then they started to get used to it and then it was dry for months and months on end. It was dry for about six months and we actually had to buy, buy water about three times but that's another story. Um, but, um, but yeah, so it took them a while to adjust to this, this idea of just going outside and, and, I mean, now I probably don't have to say it so much but sometimes I still say, you know, just go outside, go outside and play. And generally they do. I mean, and like this morning, for instance, my um, my daughter was saying, you know, come on, let's just go outside. Come on, let's go outside and play. And, you know, and they just, they know, I mean, we're on, um, it's 26 acres, but a lot of it is bushland behind the house, which they don't tend to go that way because it's it's a little bit more kind of, I guess, wild in a way. Snake um,
0: infested. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Guana <laughs> infested, as we're learning at the moment. But, um, yeah, and um, so they tend to go sort of from the front of the house down the hill and there's lots of terrace areas off that. And But they're sort of it, – it's safe. There's a gate at the bottom and they know that not to go beyond the gate. And so I feel really comfortable. Whereas in the city, like, I wouldn't feel comfortable with my son on the street that we were living in. I didn't even really like him being on the street itself unless I could see him because it was, it wasn't a major street, but it was an inner city street. So, you know, there's cars going up and down all the time and people walking to and from the station and and that type of thing. And um, I sort of, I didn't really feel comfortable with him. It wasn't like a suburban cul-de-sac, I guess. And so we've really gone from one extreme to the other. I mean, we were living practically in red fern you know Mm. (laughs) and now we're living completely in the bush sort of thing so it's it's a very they're they're
0: wild in their own little ways i would imagine (laughs) but you 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 spoke there about you know the leeches and it's really funny we're in um upstate new york at the moment and in this kind of new england area all i would read about were the deer ticks and apparently deer ticks give you lyme's disease which is this disease that you know, it can last years and years and years and makes you really lethargic. So I am like yep. freaking out. Like if, if a leaf touches me, I'm like, I, I, it's a, it's a deer tick. It's a deer tick, you know, get it off. And it's, it's a, it's a different way. And then there's also poison ivy up here. Yeah. So, so when we do walk through the woods, it's like, I'm staying on the trail, no one's bush bashing. And it's, it's a real adjustment. You know, you, you spoke there about the floods and the heat, and then also kind of running out of water. Were, were there other kind of, you know, these city to country adjustments that you had to like learn where where people that are brought up in the country, it's second nature to them. And you've had to kind of learn these things instantly.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny you say about the ticks because at the moment we're actually, going, <laughs> the leeches have gone and we've got ticks now, but they're bush ticks. So they're not, they're not paralysis ticks. I mean, my son had one on the back of his knee this morning and he's actually, I mean, I hope he's going to be okay, but he's been limping today, which is very, very unusual because usually it's just, I mean, my three year old, she's had so many ticks in her head because she's short and she just, she always goes into the grassy areas and we say, there's going to be ticks there. And at the first time we saw a tick, we were all, Oh my God, there's a tick, there's a tick. You know, we were freaking out about it. And now we're like, okay, where's the tick thing? Yet, yeah, you know, because we use the, um, the wart freeze off thing. This is what we've been recommended is that you freeze it off and you get the tweezers and you pull it out. And, and now it really is second nature. And to us now it's, it's like getting a mozzie bite, you know, mosquito bite, And, um, it really doesn't bother us. Um, but it was like with the leeches, that was a real adjustment. And now we just flick them off. (laughs) And, And, but, um, and so it's funny because we see, we, you know, we have our friends from the city coming to visit and, you know, we say, oh. You might want to wear closed shoes because it's been raining so there might be some leeches and you can see the look on their faces, oh, leeches. And we're we now really, oh, there's nothing to worry about. You know? uh, have, have, <laughs> you, have you had many snakes? We have. We've – Um. We, we, well, actually, uh, we had a snake in the house one day. I, can't, I might have been away on a photo shoot and uh, my husband was in the house with uh, my daughters and um, – I think my son was at school and I don't know how on earth it got into the house, but he was, I think he, we'd run out of water that day as well. So it was one of those days where everything was going wrong and he had to then try and get this snake out of the house and he had to <laughs> create a hook so he could hook it and flick it out of the house. But it was, um we think it was a tree snake. So we've got lots of tree snakes around here and they're apparently harmless. Apparently they can bite you if I guess you antagonize them but they're not they're not deadly at all we've seen a uh, diamond python as well up at the top part of the house or well the property Um, there's a big glade where we sometimes go and because there's oranges up there and we go picking up fruit and so on and um, there was a massive diamond python up there near one of the dams but it was quite beautiful I mean and they're harmless as well and um, recently we've seen a really big guana um, and they can be quite dangerous. And it's been, cause we had a scrub turkey that came onto our property recently and. So it's trying to eat the eggs of the um, scrub turkey. So, I mean, all this stuff is so new to us and we want the st- scrub turkey to go away because it's creating a mess. And so, you know, there's all these sort of diff- – and because the scrub turkeys come, then the guanas come because it's trying to eat the eggs. And then, you know, we think, oh, we're kind of a bit reluctant to let the chickens out at the moment because we think, well, if the guanas out, then maybe it's going to go and try and get the chickens eggs and – you know, so like this whole ecosystem that we're having to learn about—it's, um, yeah, it's pretty fascinating.
0: Wow, it really is. It's it like it's fascinating in a in a really beautiful way. You know, because when you when and, you when you it, think you don't about want to get it, too close away. Well, like you know, we, we have so many poisonous snakes, and I I remember doing a a speech for one of the communities that we were staying in uh, over here in the states about Australia, and so I did research on snakes, and I think. In a, you've got to get to number eleven until you reach a poisonous snake that is out of Australia, and that's the rattlesnake here in in north america and then I think it's like until number twenty two and until you hit another one so we have twenty one of the top twenty two deadliest snakes in the world, but you don't really hear of people dying of snakes that much in australia well I, unless I don't read that snake is killing dot com website, but <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's out there, but it's it's part of nature. Do you know what I mean? And you you you're now part of that as well.
1: Yeah, and you know, I mean, that's obviously something that we've had to teach the children is about how to, you know, to live in this environment and to be aware of what's around them and be careful. And you know, we tell them, you know, you really shouldn't go outside without shoes on because. There are sometimes snakes. I mean, there's not really snakes at the moment because it's not hot enough. But, um, but my daughter, she got an outbite on her toe uh, yesterday because she was outside without shoes. And it's like, well, you know, we tell you. <laughs> you know, and they have to learn these kind of things. But, you know, and we obviously teach them. And I think, with, you know, with most animals, if you give them space and you're kind of respectful of that space, then you generally are not going to get hurt. So, um, and interestingly, we I mean, we have, my goodness, we've got so many cobwebs in this house, and, and we, we clean the cobwebs constantly, so many spiders, because obviously we're up in the trees, and I mean, for me, I just think, oh it's like it's like something out of a Charles Dickens novel, sometimes, you know, <laughs> dusting these cobwebs, and they keep coming back, and I think, but there's so many spiders, but I mean, we haven't touched wood, come across any deadly spiders, because of course, you know, there are dangerous spiders as well.
0: Yeah, Wow. And just, just changing tact a little bit here. You wrote an article about toys. Oh yes, where you <laughs> you don't, and it really fascinated me. I've completely changed tact here. There was there was no segue that I could get to from spiders. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Uh, I'll, I'll try to, try to think of one now. There are no spiders in your kids' toys because you don't have many toys. It it's something that that you. Um, I guess, are, are very deliberate about and not having an an abundance of toys for your kids so they do go outside or they use their imagination. Can you just talk to me about that for a little bit?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I guess it's, it's one of those things that's, I guess, with most things in life, it's kind of evolved. I mean, when my son was young, I mean, we never – bought him a huge amount of toys actually we hardly bought him any toys you know like except for say birthday or christmas and you know and obviously other people would buy him things and so on and um and i sort of tended to find that he just there were some things i mean he went through a really big lego phase and and my husband actually had a massive stash of lego from when he was a kid that his mum had um you know she had held onto for years and years <laughs> so we kind of inherited that and he would play with that and um but there were things like particularly things that had batteries in them i mean that is probably one of the things that drives me nuts the most is that generally i find if something has got batteries in it i just it just doesn't get used you know it gets used maybe initially and then the battery dies and then it doesn't get used or i don't know i, th- I find that those kind of toys children have a very short attention span with them and they play with them and then they get bored of them really, really quickly. And I think that it just, they just don't engage in and you end up with a cupboard full of this stuff that they don't really play with. And, and I just, I mean, they have toys, but um, well, some um, and I've kind of edited down over the years because I mean, if they're not playing with it, I just don't see the point in holding onto it. And, um, and I just find that you know, that they really don't actually engage with it. And the, the really funny thing is that – so we've got one toy cupboard. And, I mean, it's – there's hardly anything in it because the shelves in this place are just – you know, you move into a house and you think, gosh, these people have got strange storage. <laughs> the shelves are so high and deep. And so you kind of have, like, two shelves and then that's it. But they're really deep and – anyway. Um, and so so they've got some jigsaw puzzles on them and the Lego is still in there. And honestly – They hardly ever use that stuff. And sometimes I kind of get tempted to think, oh, should I just get rid of all of it? Because they really don't use it. And, um, but the funny thing is that, uh, we've got at the moment, my, uh, father in law is staying with us. And, um, and so, you know, a couple of times a week, he might have a beer and he has these beer caps. And I mean, this is one of these things I think, should I really confess this? But, The children are obsessed with these beer caps. They think it's like a depression era childhood or something. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny though because they've they've been playing with these beer caps and they – because some of them have got different um, symbols on the top. So one of them has got a star on the top. Another one I think has got Japanese writing. And another one is like a green color or something. And um, and so because they've only got one with the Japanese writing, apparently that's worth $100. And the ones with stars are only worth $1 because they've got lots of those. And so they've created – and whenever um, their grandfather finishes or has a beer and they say, oh, can we have the beer lids? <laughs> and they get so excited. But, you know, that's the thing. They just – they don't actually need toys. And, and this is not me saying, oh, children, go and play with the beer lids, you know. Yeah. <laughs> this is like they just make – Games out of whatever they've got, and um you know, and it's the same with things that they find or rope, or you know like he the grandfather he's just recently joined the gliding club and and he was able to get hold of this rope, and so they're so excited about this rope about what things they can make with it and but even when we we're in the city, i mean they it was a similar thing it's i don't think it's necessarily completely related to being here because when we are in the city, we did lots of art and craft. I mean, while we couldn't go outside and play as much as what we can here, um, we did lots of art and craft. So we had lots of art and craft supplies because, I mean, being a stylist, I kind of – I always have a stash of felt and goodness knows what for various projects and fabrics and what have you. But So we would do lots of things like that and they loved making things and creating things but but the toys themselves – they just get bored of them so easily, and I just, I just feel like it's a waste of space, and I just don't feel like it really gets them to to think for themselves. Often mm. these things do the thinking for the children, and um, you know, and it's just this brain pattern of repetition, and that actually doesn't expand your mind. It's just repetition. So I sort of prefer things that actually make them think about okay, if I do this and that, and you know, even if it's just You know, weaving some wool in and out of something or whatever. You know, like it's just that problem solving. Yeah, you know, then they sort of start to connect that with something else. And I mean, I remember my son. He used to go through stages of, like he used to tie this string all over the house, and you couldn't get through the kitchen because he had string from one drawer to another. And you know, I mean, that was a lot more interesting to him than. Than anything else, you know, so because he was using his imagination, he was thinking for himself. And Mm. I I would rather encourage that than, you know, something that he's just pressing a button.
0: And you you spoke about like other people giving your kids gifts. How do you you tackle... it's 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 interesting it's hard. My, my, my wife my wife English this is this is her question <laughs> She's, you've got to ask Natalie this but like w- w- how do you tackle that about other people giving your kids gifts
1: okay it is hard because I am I hate offending people I really hate you know I really it hurts me to upset other people. Like, that's very much my personality, my nature, and so I really struggle with that. But on the, the same hand, there's I guess there's a couple of things. One is, um, I mean, I tend to find that in general, when you get the most amount of things from people, it tends to be um, birthday parties, I guess the biggest thing is, you know, when you have a birthday party for your child and if you're inviting other children and, you know, you can kind of sometimes get this influx of um, of toys and so on. And, um, and do you know what the funny thing is, is that when we did this um, with my son when he was growing up, he used to get lots of Lego like in sort of up until I guess about age five or six he got lots of Lego, which is, you know, I still have a, I think Lego has a place although I could go on a whole other rant about I sort of I don't like Lego used to more like you used to get a collection of pieces and you could create whatever and now it's you know they have these scenes and it's like a motorbike and then you make the motorbike and that's it the pieces you can't you can kind of reuse them but it it's sort of become a lot more stagnant as a toy anyway um so he used to get that but my daughter like it's all this pink crap I'm going to say it. it's crap you know it's like plastic stuff and it's just things that aren't you know they break and are uh, and that's the other thing is that people you know often go into this thing which I understand because you know you don't want to spend necessarily a lot of money on a child's birthday party present but you know they go to I don't know, like Kmart or wherever and they buy these toys that are you know often cheap and they break and then your child is in tears because you know they used it once and it broke and um and so, you know, that really frustrated me was this waste. And so I often would say on birthday invitations, I would say something like, you know, books welcome as a present. Because I think books, I, I just think you can't go wrong with a book as for a present. And they're not expensive as well. And they're the thing that can be passed down and they last. And, um, you know, or I would say something like, you know educational toys preferred or something you know so like these kind of subtle hints (laughs) you know because I just and I the thing is I don't want other people to waste their money either like that sort of upsets me too I sort of don't want someone to spend whatever it is twenty dollars on a present and then it break after one go like I'd rather them not buy anything than do that Mm. so you've got kind of got that whole side of things and then I guess you have family who sometimes have different viewpoints on things and um and it's interesting because my mother-in-law follows, um, me on Instagram and, um, well, you know, the Indigo crew and, uh, and so she's got very much a sense of my aesthetic now. So she, and she sees that the, um, the types of things that the girls wear. And so she says that, um, you know, that, yeah, shall I get, you know, a dress from this particular company or whatever? And I say, that's actually a wonderful idea, <laughs> you know, so, um. So, yeah, it's – um. but with my own parents, I mean, I, I sometimes will say to them, look, I just – I don't want, you know, plastic or I don't want, you know, battery toys or, or whatever. And I explain my reasons and sometimes they don't listen to me and the things break and I think, well, there you go. What a waste. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, I guess it's always challenging, you know, letting people know that you don't want gifts. And there's also that element of not not having them miss out on – on that experience of giving and, and, and things like that. You mentioned before that your mother-in-law follows you on the Indigo Crew on Instagram and also through the Indigo Crew blog. And I've said before that, it, that it's definitely my favorite. And I just really love the beautiful writing that you, you do about your kids and, and how they're moving through their lives. And do you think that writing about them makes you more mindful of, of what you are doing? Like you're paying more attention to them, because you want to write about them later on.
1: Hmm, that's an interesting question. Um, no, <laughs> I. I mean, I think that. Look, if I'm absolutely honest with Instagram in general, I think that it's there's a funny thing that's kind of evolved, and I think this is true of a lot of people, um, and this is true of me with, um, perhaps, also with my sort of general because of course I'm crazy and I have three Instagram feeds. So my Natalie Walton Instagram feed, which I tend to view as a work kind of, it's, it's basically like my all, online portfolio. I don't have a website for my work and a lot of other styles don't actually. <laughs> it's just one of those things that it's so hard to collate all the images so that my Instagram becomes my portfolio for that. But for Indigo Crew... I sort of started it because I sometimes would publish pictures of my children on the other feed and it sort of never f- quite felt right because I had a lot of people who follow me in relation to my work and and yet my children were such a big part of my life and um, and I sort of – it felt like I was denying a part of me to not express that in some way. And I think because of the type of person I am that I, I do share and, I mean, I have had a blog for 10 years. I mean, Daily Imprint was – has been around for about 10 years now. And, um, you know, so I've always had that element about me and, and, and I'm a writer and, um, you know, and I sort of, I'm fascinated and I'm engaged with the world around me and that's why I'm also a journalist and, you know, or journalist background and why I studied that and, and why I worked as a journalist for so many years. And so, and but I do struggle with also sharing them and it, it's something that, it really I, I do find it's a constant internal struggle for me so i mean i don't use their names online um because i don't i don't feel that it's right for me to do that at this point and who knows i mean maybe i'll change my mind but at, at this point i sort of think you know people don't need to know their names and i try as much as possible to um to kind of give a a glimpse and an insight into our family life Um, because I enjoy sharing our story, but at the same time, you know, I try not to have lots of um, upfront uh, detailed photos of their face or I used to have a kind of a thing in my head where I sort of thought if someone saw them on the street, would they recognize them? And because I think that sometimes you can photograph someone in a way or catch moments that, it still conveys the message of what you're trying to get across or shares the moment, but it doesn't have to be about them. And so when I share the photos, I try and make it about that, about the moment rather than about them. And so that's why I don't share their names and sort of always go into personal details about them Um can you hang my daughter upstairs? So, <laughs> someone else is just woken
0: up. <laughs> no, I can, I can, and that's uh, that's all part of that's all part of life. Do you need to attend to her?
1: No, I think my husband will go and see to her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she, she's she she's really she's, 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 she's old enough for you, for your husband. He's he's. It's, I feel like he's like a boy boy scout, and he's got that badge. He's like, yeah, he can he can work down to down to three year olds is the limit. <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh, this is honestly we have. I mean, the baby he still kind of works for like a sort of ten or eleven o'clock feed, and then sometimes then for like a five-ish or one. But um, but yeah, my three-year-old she just she's not a great sleeper. Like she was as a baby, and now, and my other daughter was like that too. Thank God my son's a good sleeper because <laughs> the other two
0: girls, it's
1: just sometimes it's just it's bad dreams and mozzie bites, and you know it's just always something.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's good though. And I, you know what, once they get older, they're, they're going to be sleeping through and not in our beds. That's what, that's what my wife Inga always says to us when Andy comes in and, 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 and my, you know, portion of the bed just seems to shrink, shrink on down. (laughs) But I, I do, I do really love your blog and, and one article that really resonated with me, and I think it's because we have daughters that are the same age and you wrote an article about nearly five. And about that nice. that that year of the four-year-old being such a special year. And this year, being Andy's fourth year, she just turned five uh, a couple of weeks ago. And obviously, we're on this huge family adventure. So just this year in itself has been really different for us. But I have really loved four. And Inga always says to me, but Mike, you really loved six months. And then you really loved a year. And you really <laughs> loved... But I feel at four... Andy is her own little person. You can you can reason with her. You can have conversations with her. We go exploring together. She's teaching me things and going, "Hey, what about this?" That and I just and and as you wrote about as well, they they there's still this. You know that they need you, and it's mm. uh, I don't know. I just I really really love that. That article, and I will link to it in the show notes so everyone can read that, but um I really just wanted to say thank you for that article and and no. and how it really I felt like you were speaking words right out of my mouth, but i um, I do understand it's really late there, and I know that your your family is kind of walking around upstairs, but I have one final question that I do ask everybody, and this is to okay. describe your perfect day oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> so it starts with well, laughter <laughs> <laughs> no, it would start with the sleeping <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I actually love the both the girls come and clamber into our bed in the morning, and um, I love that actually, but I just wish they would do it at nine o'clock, <laughs> not seven i mean seven is not too bad sometimes it's six and that's sometimes pushing my buttons a little bit if i've been going to bed late which is my own fault but um uh yeah i mean of course sleeping would be amazing and um but i really we have um sundays are always a good day for us and i really love our sundays together as a family because we try to make it we we call it a family day and um Last weekend we were actually working on some projects on the house and and because it's school holidays, it's sort of the dynamics a little bit different. My son was getting a bit upset because he said, you said, you know, Sundays are a family day and why do you work on the house, you know? Because we do try and sort of focus on family on Sundays and sort of, you know, even if it's kind of out in the garden or doing something or, you know, if we go out and go to a local beach or do something. And I really like that that when we sort of, you know, there's no – obligations or commitments and and we can kind of just spend time together and there's no rush to be somewhere and it's um it's just kind of hanging out together and i really enjoy meal times together as a family i mean i i had a friend over the other day and she was telling me that um she hates dinner time and it's funny because look i mean you know we have we have times when dinner time is you know sometimes it can be trying or testing but generally actually I really love our dinner times together and it's um and meal times in general and we sort of we always sit down at the table and we tend to have a sort of an arrangement where we put the food out and people help themselves rather than necessarily just putting food on a plate and they just eating what they you know what they have to have in front of them and um so they can sort of serve themselves in a way and um you know so there's passing of plates and negotiating that and and um, I really enjoy those kind of times together. And um, I think just, you know, the, the more um, life goes on, the more that I just sort of appreciate those simpler things.
0: Yeah, I, I actually I actually really love that idea. You know, we, we always have dinner together. And our big thing at the moment, we, we haven't had TV for six months or more. And we have been playing cards, um, Chase the Ace, which is a, or Go Fish, which are really simple games. And then we bought yes. Andy, you um, know, as well. And so I that that's kind of playing cards as a family after dinner has been our thing before she has a book and goes to bed and all that. But I really love that idea of bringing the food out on the table. And it, Hey, even if it is pasta and it's, well, this is the only choice you have, but letting them choose, you know, what they want to eat and how much of that they want to eat, I think is a is a really great idea and something that I think I'm going to implement tonight.
1: Yeah. Well, um, it's it's funny because it's something that I read. Um, so I pick up all these things sort of th- throughout my various jobs and, and, you know, different things that I've done throughout my life. And um, when I was working on a medical newspaper, we used to have a nutritionist who um, used to write a column. And I remember it always stuck in my head. And, um, I mean, I, would, I think at the time I was maybe 23 or something like that. And, um, and I was sub editing her copy. And, but she was talking about how, you know, this sort of obesity epidemic and about sort of how to encourage children to be good eaters. And, and she said that, um, you know, often, um, parents put, you know, too much food on the plate of children or, you know, it sort of becomes this sort of battleground and that if you actually sort of, um, encourage them to help themselves and, um, put the food out, you know, and they sort of, you know, so we have tongs or spoons, serving spoons or whatever, then, um, then they start to think about what they're putting on their plates. And, and look, of course, you know, like I said, you know, I mean, most children have something that they don't eat or, or whatever, but, um, you know, I, th- I think it's sort of, it's really sort of gets the conversation happening and, and sort of helps um, get them thinking about what they're eating. And, and I just like the communal aspect of it as well. And um, yeah, it's, it's always kind of worked well for us.
0: Yeah. It, I think it's a, a great idea. It really is. But um, I, I, I can hear your little ones in the background there. So I, I do want to let you go, Nat. And um, I just wanted to say thanks again for your beautiful work, for for everything that you share. and And, and I kind of You probably don't see yourself as a teacher, but maybe the lessons that you, you, well, I find anyway, that that you you are kind of communicating through your work. So thank you so much for that. And um, if people want to reach out to you and uh, follow you a little bit more, what's the best way for them to do that? how long have you got <laughs> actually just scrap that question i will just list everything <laughs> in the i'll make sure everything is in the show notes at um at live com. but um before we go natalie is there anything that i've uh that you want to say or that i've left out
1: no i just thanks for for giving me this opportunity to talk and um I appreciate it and it's, yeah, it's it fascinates me that you would be even interested in this because I just sort of think, sometimes I just I write things and I think, does anyone really care about this? But I just, I feel like the need to kind of express myself or share some thoughts or um, sort of things. Sometimes I find that when I write, it actually um, filters things through my own mind and um, helps work thoughts out of what I actually want and what's important to me and so that's why I do it. And, um, yeah, but... means something to someone else and that's wonderful
0: no i 100 percent agree with that just kind of letting the, the thoughts kind of filter through your own mind but um thanks again natalie i've i've really enjoyed this chat thank you everybody for listening and until next time have fun and live immediately